Welcome to the Good Life Fitness Podcast, 30 Minutes With. I'm your host, Tim Cadney. Today, I get to dig into the coach's playbook with our vice president of group experience, Kim Lavender. Kim will teach us tips on how to become a great coach and how your mindset will help you achieve greatness. She's also going to share how being a trainer on a reality TV show was not all roses and tropical islands. Welcome to the show, Kim Lavender. I am super excited to talk to you today. How are you doing? I am fantastic and excited to talk to you today, Tim. Well, you know, the intention of the podcast, of course, is for us to get to know you. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the expertise that you have. So the first thing would be the who. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your good life story? Wow, that's a bit of a walk down memory lane, but uh, (laughs) one that I am very not only proud to share, but anytime I get to tell this story, it helps other people kind of connect to perhaps where they are on their journey in good life. So Jeepers, in 1999, a small club I was working at in Belleville, Ontario, was being purchased by Good Life by this guy called Patch. And we were being interviewed to transition from teaching at that club to teaching for Good Life. And I remember just being so impressed by Mohegan and then Don Underwood um, and Sue Chambers. And they were talking about what a great company this was going to be to work for. And one of the key things that was attracting me at the time, having been in the industry for 10 years already, was that there was just all of a sudden this like expansion and explosion of what I could see as opportunity. So needless to say, the role that I took on for Good Life, my very, very first role was as a group fitness coordinator and a PT coordinator duo role at this club. And I was excited to do that. And about, uh, let's see, about a A year into that, a year and change into that, the company continued to evolve and change. And what happened at that point was the group fitness coordinator position was being dissolved. So I was, again, losing that part of the job that I had. But the one thing that kept me going is just kind of saying, you know, I've seen a lot of impressive things so far. I need to keep the faith and I need to reach out and just say, hey, I'm interested and curious what other opportunities might arise. And I was about five or six months into a maternity leave with my first son at that time. And uh, Mo gave me a call and she offered me a role that was a regional position. So, but it was part-time and I had three cities in part-time position at that time. And it was Peterborough, Kingston and Belleville. And I guess that's where things started to take off. Um, I continued to, you know, gain certifications and not many people know this about me, but I do have five Les Mills certifications under my belt. Um, I started with body pump like most people had, and then I did body flow, body combat, body step and brace yourself, Tim. I taught body jam. Really? Body jam? I know. I know. But I learned to fall in love with that program. It was it was a difficult one for me to learn being more of an athlete than a dancer, so to speak. But, you know, I continued to kind of work with the group fitness department for a total of 10 years. I finished in the group fitness department as a director alongside Marion McTeer working with Mo. And I was the director of program development at that time. But I still maintained my personal training certifications and my love for small group training. So when we started team training, that was about 10 years ago, that's when I switched over to work with the personal training department. And it was a great decision. It was helping me expand my skill set, work with the other departments in the company, and just really kind of take on 
the love of training in a group period. So we launched team training. We also in that time developed a small group training program called Peak. We had my boot camp training where it was focused truly on kind of a boot camp workout, but more importantly, helping people be better coaches. Um, so I'm still proudly certified as a group fitness instructor and of course a personal trainer. I worked for Twist Conditioning um, in conjunction at the time as a master coach for sports certifications. I also updated my medical exercise specialist. And even though I was more of a manager, I believe it's truly important to kind of keep my feet on the ground and not just because it helps me be a better leader, but it also just fulfills my personal passion of still wanting to coach. And so this has constantly been a uh, you know path of opportunity and learning and and failing at times, but always learning and really kind of just taking on all those different opportunities has led me to now I'm back in group fitness, but more so all things group. So being the vice president of group experience at this time, I really do have the the vernacular in the portfolio that for me is a dream because it transcends all things group. And I truly believe in the power of working out with other people and the power of team. So I think that comes from my athletic background uh, way back in the day. I mean, I played every sport possible and excelled at most of them. But I believe that athleticism is inside all of us to some degree. And that mentality of teamwork and being a great team player helps everyone succeed. I didn't know you started as an acquisition. That is incredible. Yeah. We, and we got you. We, we took over the right club at the right time. <laughs> you know, you mentioned being a coach. And of course, you know, we know you as Kim Lavender, but we also know you as Coach Lav. You know, I came across a quote from John Wooden. He says, a coach is someone who yeah. can give correction without causing resentment. Let's talk a little bit about what makes a great coach. I love that coach. Uh, I love that coach. I love that quote. You know, my goal has always been to help people feel successful. And in our industry, sometimes there can be this like pride in beating somebody up or kicking somebody's butt. And that has always just not sat really well with me. I feel that, you know, coaching is, you know, you can be more than an instructor of exercises. So the one thing that I would always pass on to, you know, the next gen of, of coaches that are coming up in this incredible industry is to spend time refining, refining your coaching skills, because, you know, regardless of the modality that we choose to, you know, prescribe for clients or the choreography or the movement skill we teach in classes, your ability to be a great coach will transcend all of those. So experience has really taught me that there are no bad clients, just inflexible coaches. And when we start to kind of wrap our heads around the fact that there's no failure, only feedback, and we give permission to people to not be great at something at first, we know that when someone acquires skills, and sometimes we have to regress things to progress things or pull something back to accelerate it, it's so important to give permission to people to, to just explore their capabilities, to honor their potential. In doing so, you just celebrate the little wins along with them along the way and give them permission that there's no failure, only feedback. And we have a choice to apply it quickly, or we have a choice to 
lift it and kind of carry it through, which we don't have to. My, my key on this is, you know, I've spent well over 500 hours studying neurolinguistic programming. And that's a fancy way of saying, you know, how our words shape our realities, whether it's internal dialogue or external dialogue. But when I started to explore that kind of education, it wasn't about, you know, alignment or speed or quickness or power or strength. But at the same time, it was. But it was more of what I like to coin as linguistic hypertrophy, where we can expand the way we speak, but it starts with the way we listen. When we listen more to our clients, we are able to kind of understand where their, say, limiting beliefs lie. But it also, if you listen to tone, it can tell us really quickly what they get excited about. And those are the things that are the keys to success. When we get our clients into this great mindset of possibility, it enables us to open the gates to learning. You know, I believe that everybody has an athlete inside them. They may have never played a sport, but their bodies are meant to move, and that makes them athletic. And when we approach our clients like this and truly believe that they can be successful, we are able to put them into a realm of possibility. And I'll give you an example. I I can't tell you in my 30 years in this industry and coaching people, how many people have said, I can't do that. And my first response to them is, well, what would it be like if you could? If we can help tease people into this place of possibility, they are more apt to try new things. We can help them understand that they are so much evidence in one person's lifetime of how incredible they are. They just need to be reminded of it sometimes. So although they may feel challenged in the moment, everything they need to succeed is already present. We just have to learn how to communicate to them to draw that out of them and propel them forward. So when you say what makes a great coach, understanding your clients, listening, spending as much time on architecting and modeling your language and how you communicate with your clients than necessarily on the science of training. You know, I really like no failure, only feedback. I think there's the potential of this perception that training is about breaking down someone before you can build them back up. Almost military-like, you can't quit, you can't fail. This, you know, I would say this isn't just perception of a potential member could have, but it could be the way a potential coach is thinking. So you mentioned mindset. It really is mind over matter. So what is that mindset you look for to help people achieve success? Always start first by warming up their mindset. And a lot of that, Tim, has really got to do with just being really hyper aware of what you're walking into. You know, I'll say sometimes that we have clients that come to us with more baggage than their gym bag. And trainers and coaches, you're inclined to just want to be whatever your clients need you to be in the moment. And what I have found is that when people show up to train with me, they may have come with whatever happened to them in a day. And it might be that they had a crappy day. It might be that they, you know, are sinking into that sea of where they might feel like things are failing or they're angry with someone because it's not going their way. And you can just feel that tension and negativity. And I'll go back to my number one goal, and that's helping people see possibilities. So if somebody comes to you with like 
I've had a rough day, you know, a lot of trainers will be inclined to kind of go, okay, then let's, you know, let's take it out on the bag or let's take it out on your lifts or whatever. And you're actually perhaps doing them a disservice because in doing that, you're anchoring the bad behavior. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is go, it sounds like you've had a rough day. That's number one. That's empathy. Put yourself in their shoes and feel what they're feeling. Because some of our best coaching comes from intuition. It comes from understanding what the client might be feeling or the participants might be feeling at the time. And just say, you know, it sounds like you've had a rough day. Wow. I feel for you. What do you think you need to get through this and come out brighter and better on the other side of this workout? Notice I didn't say, can you? So if I say, can you, it just, they might go, no, no, (laughs) no, no, not today. Today is all about the negativity, love. (laughs) I think what's important to go is say, what is it? Because that, that structure of that question takes them to, well, there's got to be something because she just said what? So it's got to exist. So what is it that's going to take you to the other side? So that mindset as a coach is what is possible And, you know, the other thing is what I say is presuppositions. We often kind of assume and make these presuppositions. We have vision before we have action. So I would challenge people to think of a client or a participant that they've had that is a tough one. And so you have this, you know, preconceived notion of how that session or class is going to go in that day. And I want you to turn it around and go, but what if it was amazing? Mm -hmm. What if today was the day they walked in and they gave everything they've got They shared what they could with you and you rose above the challenges you had before. And outside of that, you were looking forward to the next time you saw them. What would that be like? And kind of get them into that mindset. You know, I always say lean on evidence as previous challenges that they have overcome. When I see somebody struggling, and that's being hyper aware as a coach, it's not only what you see, it's what you hear, it's what you feel. If I see or understand that somebody might be struggling or we're getting to that difficult part of a, a set or, or part of the workout, it's like, think of a time you overcame something that was difficult before. Channel it now. Now is that like embedded command and it's going, I believe you have it in you, do you. And you can sometimes just see that switch in people. And they're like, wow, I did not think I could do that but you did. And that is super cool. I said, you know, when what we think we feel, Tim, the negativity is like just building these barriers where optimism and hope opens creativity, possibility, and innovation. So the words like what if or imagine, those are powerful words that lead people generally into better success. And that is about mindset. So it really starts with the coach. And, and I think we have to start with ourselves first because what you're talking about really stems along the lines of being present. Like you have to be present. You talked about having the ability to be able to listen, to really see, to notice what's going on in the person in front of you. So when we have to start with ourselves, what are some of the things that we personally need to do to kind of be in that mindset, to be able to be that effective with um, a group fitness class or a client? I will say... You know, when people show up to work out with me, they deserve my best because I will accept nothing less than that from them. So my mindset going into a class or a training session, whether I'm coaching small group or group fitness, 
whatever it may be. And this actually applies to even if I'm doing a presentation today, like you and me talking today, you're taking time, you're taking energy to provide me this opportunity. So respectfully to that, I'm going to also exchange that currency with you. And I want to give my best. My best is what I expect. I would say always understand and you, you give your best in the moment. So it's in the moment with the resources you have available to you. Trust me, I've had bad days. I've had great days. When I can take and flip the switch to my coaching mode, that is kind of my sanctuary and happy place where I, I get to thrive. So my mindset is always, I am bringing my best because my client or who I'm working with, they deserve me at my best. And then the other piece of that is just that realm of possibility, the presupposition that everyone I get to work with is doing the best that they can too. That no one wants to, you know, show up negatively or or fail. There's a positive intention behind anything. You just have to sometimes be more curious to find it. And the other mindset is again, there's no failure only feedback. There has been so many situations where I have said yes to doing something and then at the, you know, 11th hour working my butt off to get it done, but I'm always and and I'm so nervous and I've got a ton of butterflies but I'm always grateful that I've gotten the opportunity and I've learned from it. I have fallen on my face or had a program not work out or been teaching on a live platform or video and screwed up. Like it happens. <laughs> we are all human. So I will just say, you know, no failure, only feedback. Always give your best because that's what they deserve and stay optimistic. I like that. And it's so important. You know, I think everyone's coming back to this after a very long, a very stressful, um, very emotional time. And, and we need to be able to recognize when we're not feeling our best, but what are you going to do with that? And I, and I, I think, you know, that permission to be okay to fail, but then what is, what is it, what you learned, what are you taking away from it is so, so important. Let's talk a bit about peak. Oh. It's such a great program. So how did you how did you come up with this? Where did this start? And what was the like the overall intention to make this, you know, a huge part, exclusive part to good life? Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like peak is my baby. It's definitely one of the highlights of of my career with good life in, in many ways and not always just by what people see today. I will go back to working in Patch's office in Victoria, just outside of his home. And if anybody knows Patch, he, they, they know he loves whiteboards. <laughs> and there was, you know, just a mass amount of information and articles on the desk in the boardroom and a ton of stuff floating around where we were like, we want to provide what I will say is a bit of a small group training or boutique experience to members. But we need to do it kind of with low resources and, you know, minimal disruption to the, you know, big wheel that has been turning for 40 years or so at the time. <laughs> um, and we didn't have a whole lot of different spaces. And this was happening in conjunction at the same time with what we called operational excellence. So we had some really talented people kind of looking for other opportunities. And it felt like it was just kind of all coming together. But the essence of peak 
is that we don't say it's just high intensity interval training because quite frankly, anybody can push people hard Mm -hmm. and just keep pushing. Where we got intelligent training is we started to understand the science of and importance of recovery, balance, and flow. So there was a lot of thought and you know consideration given to how the workouts themselves would be structured, but more importantly, how would we uh, create this coaching protocol that could transcend and be adapted to multiple locations by multiple people and drive the sense of commonality and community. And this, they, this sounds like there's a huge definition, you know, we say like a peak is like an iceberg, right? You only see the peak, but you know, there's a whole lot more that goes on kind of beneath that. And with peak, we know that for fit, for fitness, a lot of people, fitness is a climb. Like they, they are they're sometimes afraid of it, but man, when you get to st- stand at the top of it and succeed, there's no better feeling. So in adopting that kind of mantra of it's like a climb, we use the 3A protocol for coaching where each part of how we would coach with our language would be number one about your approach. So this is mountain climbing language. What is your approach like? How are you learning? Are you methodically kind of plotting this out? What's your belief of making it to the top? And then the the second A, you know, approach ascend. What can we do with starting our climb? And how can we help people take one step at a time to that peak? And the peak in the third A is called the apex. So what are people doing to really maximize their potential? and go all out at the end of a, you know, 90 second workload. So if you think about 90 seconds of work, 30 seconds is about that approach. 60 seconds is ascend. So you're exploring that challenge. And then that last 30 seconds is apex. So when we started training coaches on this, we could start to hear the language that was now thread throughout each workout and each location which then helps us with consistency. You know, there's still a lot left to evolve around peak. We were just getting started in some ways prior to the pandemic. So we're going to revisit that. But I think the, the, the essence of the coaching will live on. And anybody that took the coaching training will continue to allow that to kind of transcend anything from their classes to the, the clients that they get to train as personal trainers as well. I'm really proud of the team that just jumped in, it was new. You know, (laughs) they were those first adopters that just jumped in. They were strong proponents of the program. We got great uh, support from so many people and we just brought it to life together. So the genesis was Patch and I in his boardroom and a whiteboard. And we knew that fitness was climbing a mountain. Let's make it a peak. And I I love the language of it because it really ties in nicely with what you were talking about mindset. Because when you take that comparison, when anybody who's climbed up a mountain, whether it be, you know, a small one, you know, a, a good hike, once you get to the top, you're smiling. Like I've never seen a picture of somebody who's actually accomplished Mount Everest, like frowning, like, man, wow, <laughs> that happened. <laughs> they're they're so beaming. <laughs> Let's now talk about a fun fact I learned about you. You were on a reality TV show. Now you said it wasn't The Bachelorette or Survivor. We'll just scratch that off the listeners lists right now. Uh, it was a reality TV show about hockey. Now, this is interesting because you're taking a sport and putting it into a TV world. And, you know, we know that reality TV shows have to be heightened to make it good TV. So 
What was it like working as a trainer for hockey players while fully immersed in TV land? You know, the the show was called Making the Cut. And uh, if anybody knows me, they know hockey is in my DNA to a degree and more so just that I played, you know, up until I had my first little one um, at what was at the time the, the NHL of women's hockey. And I came from, you know, the days where when I first started playing hockey, of course, it was not widely accepted. I had to play on boys teams to start in a small community. And I had to get my equipment from a yard sale. In fact, I wore a helmet that said Chris on the side of it for a year. And my name is clearly not Chris. <laughs> um, but my affinity with the sport and how this opportunity kind of bubbled up through good life actually um, enabled me to use my cycling skill and my yoga instructor certifications to be a off-ice trainer for this reality TV show. So we were in uh, Vernon, BC. Um, we stayed at Silver Star, but it was over a, a little over a two-week period where we were shut out from the rest of the world. And you know, anybody that has not done it can easily say, well, you know, the cameras are on you. You have to like know they're there. And how is it that people all of a sudden become like superhuman and it's not scripted and it's not, you know, anything that's meant for theater necessarily. But my role on that was to work out with the athletes at the time. We also assisted with some of the sports conditioning stuff that was going on. And this reality TV show was essentially. Uh, hockey players that had not been drafted. And these players were vying for a walk-on to a NHL tryout. And, you know, there's tons of stories that evolve around kind of what we call those late bloomers in the sport. But it was like taking everything that I loved at the time, like hockey, working out, hockey at a high level, of course. And what I learned is you do tend to forget that there's cameras around. I've also been a billet mom for 20 years for uh, uh, junior hockey players here in Wellington. And anyway, it's just, it, was, it was a great experience. We got to see the final filming. You know, Mike Keenan was part of it. I got to meet uh, Scotty Bowman, which to me is a legend. When you talk about coach, wow, he's got a lot to talk about and offer. But it was just a great experience, you know, <laughs> you know, along with any other opportunities that bubble up often lead to the next one. So those dots of opportunity are connected. But yes, I was uh, a trainer on making the cut. Wow. And, you know, and it's it, it's true, I, I think, because you had such a, a firm focus on training them and they're competing that you could kind of forget that this is a TV environment as opposed to you know, the exclusively a sports environment. And I can only imagine what the levels of emotions were like. And um, in your work with them, how were you able to kind of, because it's, it's a competition. Only one is going to get this opportunity. People are going to be cut each week. How is it working with those emotions? Wow, that's a powerful question, Tim. You know, working with those emotions, you think about like ourselves when, you know, you're vi they're vying for a second chance. Mm-hmm right? This group, because, you know, at some point, despite the work that they put in previously, uh, they were overlooked, whatever, for whatever reason it may have been um, at the time for these athletes and giving them the second chance in this forum. But just think about it. It wasn't like they were just getting a second chance. They were being recorded yeah. 
for most moments, whether it was off the ice, on the ice, in their training sessions, it broke some of them. You know, they they kind of buckled under the pressure. And of course, because it's a competition, there's, you know, I don't want to say it was necessarily cutthroat, but there's a comparison that drives there. And I think it challenged their mindsets. So despite there being one person come out of that, they all got to walk away from that experience saying they did it. And, you know, they just had to show up and be their best and not worry about what everybody else was doing and just strive to show up the best that they could do in that day without chopping anybody else down around them, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking back, it was, you know, a time where reality TV was just kind of starting to emerge because we're going way back then. <laughs> and what's interesting is I get the, I, I often, <laughs> I'll get the odd, hey, we watched making the cut on the bus ride to this game or that game. I had no idea you were on that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, their legacy lives on and it was a great opportunity for them. And, you know, the goalie that got to go on, he did end up playing for a little bit. But um, I think they all just emerged out of it as better people. That's great. Well, my last question for you is, what would be one piece of advice you have for a new associate of Good Life? You know, we have grown immensely since I started with the company. But one thing that has remained consistent is the opportunity that Good Life provides a fitness professional. And I would say, you know, if I were to think back to the early days, understand that opportunity is there, but it's also earned. Expand your skill set. If you're a trainer or an instructor, devote time to becoming a great coach as much as you are about the next best song or best exercise. Become a great coach because being a great coach leads to great leadership. Mm -hmm. And great leadership can be immersed in your personal leadership or the leadership of many. So always think positively ask great questions, stay curious, be willing to do the work and earn your progressions. If you're a trainer, how we move through life is no different than how we move through our workouts. Earn your progression, celebrate your success and stay curious. Coach Lab, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us today and, and be a part of the show. And you shared so many incredible insights and really having a better understanding for that sense of mindset. I think it's going to be so crucial for all of us coming back after lockdowns and really understanding what are those key elements to make a wonderful coach. So thank you for today. It is my pleasure. Stay strong, my friend. That's our show for today. Thank you again to our wonderful guest, Kim Lavender. The Good Life Fitness Podcast 30 Minutes With is produced by Rochelle Lowry and our intro outro song is by Ketza. Please subscribe to the podcast if you like it and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and well. Well,